I say you bet your money on a natural thing. All right, welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection, only here at KZUM Lincoln. Hi, I'm Bob Hendrickson with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. We plant Nebraska each and every day. Thanks for joining me today here on How's It Growing every Wednesday, 11 till noon. We are your gardening connection. 474-5086 is the number to call. If you want to call in with a question or comment, I do have a guest on the program today. Molly from Southern Heights Food Forest is going to be calling in here, oh, in around five minutes or so. And uh, looking forward to that conversation with Molly talking about what is new at the food forest. Late summer, fall edible things you can include in your landscape, shrubbery, trees, things like that. Create your own food forest at home. Why not, man? In fact, there was a fella down at our shade house today and all excited about uh, us having pawpaws available. So he scored some pawpaws, some hazelnut, some service berry, doing his own little uh, food forest in his own backyard. So that's pretty cool to see. And uh, speaking of statewide arboretum, we're having a plant sale this Friday from 12:30 until 4:30 on UNL East Campus. If you haven't been bef- there before, you can just go to Nebraska Statewide Arboretum's website. That's plantnebraska.org, and at that website, you just look for our events calendar, and on there you'll see uh, well, well, basically where to go. And uh, easy, easy peasy. And speaking of the statewide arboretum, a fun event is happening this Friday evening. Join us at Aldersgate Gardens. That is uh, Aldersgate Church there at uh, the corner of 84th and South Street here in Lincoln. And uh, we're having a cool event called Dogist. You know, we're in the dog days of summer, right? Why not uh, Why not change August to Dogist? So there's a Dogist event this Friday night honoring the dog days of summer and your own pooch. Give your dog an evening out on the town, right? Why not have a date with your doggy? or doggies, right? Uh, so Aldersgate Gardens, come there with your pup and uh, you'll, you'll be glad you did. You can tour the gardens and check out the, the awesome plantings that they have there at Aldersgate. Aldersgate is an arboretum site, an affiliated arboretum site with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. And honestly, well, in my opinion, the best landscape uh, in, in the city of Lincoln around a church and a good example for the rest of the churches in Lincoln to say, man, we're gonna do our part and make a difference as well. So you'd be glad if you haven't checked out Aldersgate, maybe you've heard of it, but just haven't had the time, taken the time. Well, and you have a little doggy looking to get out on the town, Friday night is for you. Um, let's see, uh, along the way, your dog can romp through the baby pools. So there's going to be baby's pools set up. So don't be afraid if it's hot out. There'll be plenty of uh, that for your pooch to cool down. Meet new doggy friends, enjoy doggy treats. And uh, they're going to have an adoption partner partner there nebraska no-kill canine rescue will be there with some little puppies to look at and these little puppies are looking for new homes and so pet smart is also going to be there we're going to have uh oh gosh let's see let's see let's see if i see any more details i'm not seeing any others there but uh nonetheless there are going to be some booze with people there and uh to help answer questions and uh, again adoption taking place there at Aldersgate. So Dogist, the first annual Dogist event this Friday night. And uh, let's see, gosh, I should have the time. Oh, there it is, 6 to 8 p.m. So it all kicks off at 6 o'clock at Aldersgate. Again, the corner of 84th and South Street here in town. Hope you can make that on Friday night. 
Okay, uh, yep, yeah, so with Molly uh, coming on the show here shortly, I just wanted to um, give a big shout-out to Barbara being on the show last week with our Plant Stories Life Medicines, a great episode. You can find it on the um, um, KZUM archives. If you just go to the KZUM website, you can find past shows and uh, listen to them again if you didn't catch everything because there's lots of information, as always, with Barbara in uh, our Plant Stories Life Medicines uh, series. Looking forward to our next one coming up, I think, in November, I want to say it is. Um, anyway, so, yeah, today, uh, before Molly calls in, I wanted to put a, give a shout-out to a couple of plants that are doing their thing right now in the garden. Uh, one is an annual, and, uh, and you know what an annual is, right? We have to plant it every year, um, and sometimes annuals get a bad rap because you do have to plant them every year. But my oh my, some are just worth doing it. You know, if you if you plant no other annual in your garden, let it be this one, the titonia. The titonia is also called the uh, Mexican sunflower. Um, anyway, the Mexican sunflower is an annual, and uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it's an easy one to grow. It loves the heat. And uh, it's a pretty impressive plant. Uh, you can start it indoors. You can order some seed and start it under indoors under lights if you want. Direct sow it in the um, spring uh, to get it going that way. Uh, but but yeah, very easy annual to grow. And like I say, it really um, loves the heat. And what I love about it is it's it blooms when you know your garden's kind of looking a little tired in late August, the dog days of summer. And, uh, you know, it's one of those that kind of uh, fills that void, if you will, um, of, man, I could use a little more flower power in my garden. Um, it gets to be, man, I bet, you know, a full-grown Mexican sunflower, Titonia, I would, I would call it maybe like seven feet tall. So it is a big, bold plant and covered right now with uh, orange sunflower-like flowers. And uh, like I say, uh, blooms really from, oh, I would say late July, first part of August to, uh, oh, frost, really. And uh, the, the, the reason I mentioned it is, one, it's easy to grow, low-maintenance showstopper. But uh, the best thing is it's not invasive either. So it's not going to spread all over the place, even though it's from Mexico, not native. Man, does it get frequented by bees, butterflies, hummingbirds. Uh, butterflies especially enjoy it, and uh, you can see it's just a, a great food source for pollinators. And uh, <clears throat> so it's a must-have for your hot, sizzling hot summer garden, the Titonia, or a.k.a. Mexican sunflower. I uh, encourage you to look it up if you're not familiar with it and put it on your plant wish list. Okie dokie. All right, and then the second one I wanted to talk about is a hardy perennial. This one will come back for you year after year. Easy to grow. Um, and a no-brainer in the garden, too. It, uh, it's just so easy. It is a uh, gay feather. And uh, that gay feather, huh, for some reason I'm getting, a, I'm getting a call from Molly saying our phone is not in service. Uh, not sure in what's going on there, Molly. Um, huh. What the heck, Bobby? Oh, maybe I got the number wrong. Um, yeah, it is It is 402, the number to call in here, folks. And this is for you, too, 474-5086. I think I had written down for Molly 
5085. That was an error, Molly, error. So uh, do call in that number. I think she got the right one there. I think we are set. <laughs> I'm trying to juggle two things at once here. But Molly, is that you on the line? <laughs> It is. It I gave is. you. It was I think a slight typo in the first tone. Right. I, I sent you. I, I looked back at my notes because I'm like, not in service. Uh oh. What's wrong with our phones? And then I looked at the number and I'm like, oh, poo. That's because I sent you the wrong digit. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in, Molly. Well, I appreciate you having on the program. I was just about to give a shout out to a plant. I'm wondering if you have at the Southern Heights Food Forest. I was going to give a shout out, well, to the gay feathers in general, but this one is the, uh, the oh, it's it's got a lot of common names. It's called uh, meadow gay feather, prairie gay feather, rocky mountain gay feather. It's the one with the little buttons on it. Um, I'm not sure if you have that in your pollinator garden there or not. Maybe I love all of the gay feathers. We have struggled a little bit with getting them to uh, establish, mm -hmm. um, in part because we've been having drought the past couple of years, and right. they. They want help the first year. Yes, to get yes. down there. Yeah, yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna work on that. I think at the moment the only one we have is the thick spike gay feather. Okay, but the one with the with the buttons is adorable. It's over at the zoo. If you come down to the bottom of the where that new wonderful fountain is that the kids always love to get in. Oh, uh -huh. um, if you come down there and look to the left, they have a a stand of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, going over. Yeah, toward the cheetahs and stuff. Just a really, really cute plant. I agree with you. Yeah, and it is a pollinator magnet. I, I think, you know, the gay feathers, it's like, man, if you're looking to help the bees, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, the butterflies really, really love it, too, especially the monarchs. And the monarchs are starting to mm -hmm. finally show up a little bit, it looks like. Everybody's kind of happy about that, I'm sure. And uh, definitely, yeah, definitely. And uh, more and more butterflies and bees showing up in the garden. And uh, gosh, Molly, so you've been with the Southern Heights Food Forest for gosh, what, six, five, six years now? How long has it been? Um, I think this is officially year six. Okay, gosh, that was... If I do it out on my fingers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're officially growing season six together. And it is, it is fun and it just, it keeps growing. Um, and keeps changing, and every year is a little bit different. Too cool. Yeah, and folks, you can follow Southern Heights Food Forest on Facebook. I encourage you to do that. Just go to Facebook and type in Southern Heights Food Forest, right, Molly? You'll find you that way mm -hmm. easy enough, right? And, uh, easy and enough there, and the same on Instagram. Very good, very good, yeah, because yeah. I know your Pretty recent post, or maybe you shared a post with a uh, a preschool, or was it a child care center? Uh, what was the name of that? Yeah. The, the Wild Ones, wild I think it was? Wild Child Daycare. That's it, Wild Child. I, great name, by the yeah. way, so whoever chose that. How's <laughs> <laughs> that going, oh man, Wild Child Daycare. Yeah, so, so what a treat for them to be able to, I imagine they're within walking distance, right? And uh, she's able to, I, or does she have to parade them there? And, yeah. I don't know how they get there. Um, I don't. I don't know how far away they're located. Um, I think they do usually show up in cars, but they're um, they're there regularly. We have a couple of homeschool groups that meet up regularly, so those kids have a chance to play with other kids, um, not just their parents. Yeah. Um, and you know, just a number. It's so interesting to me all the different varieties of people who are finding the food forest and finding the space amenable to gathering and to just sort of trying out something new um, or trying out something old. My experience with kids is that it's their third trip there before they really hop out of the car 
and they start thinking like they have a plan. They know what they want to do. They've got, they really have learned the space by them. Yeah, in other words, maybe the first trip, they're like going, well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. What do I do? It's like, well, okay, that's up to you, kid. It's called being creative, right? Exploring. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. exploring. Right, right. Something well, we that... Two different varieties. The kids will show up and either run the circuit of the whole thing and spend five minutes at each different area that's dedicated to the kids, figuring out what it's about, and then moving on. And then you'll get a different group of kids who's like the first time they're there, they spend it entirely in the art area and maybe they build something with some blocks. Mm -hmm. And then the next time they come, they don't do either one of those areas. They'll check out the digging pit and then they'll play with the musical instruments or something. So it's a, there's different patterns and it's by about the third trip and maybe fourth, depending on the speed of their exploration, that that's when they hop out. They've tried a bunch of different things to some degree and then they're like, ah, I really want to do this. That is cool. And, and, and Molly, along those lines, is there any events you can tell us about um, or just whatever you can tell us about, like for events or maybe volunteer opportunities coming up here in the near future? A couple of different things coming up. Um, the big, like, unusual break from the pattern on September 6th, we're going to have our elderberry syrup making it's a little bit later than most folks are going to find elderberry everywhere. Ours seem to be running later on site. I'm also going to collect some of ours and put it in the freezer at the church so that I can pull it out at the workshop if we, in case we don't have enough still going. But we seem to to ripen later than other folks uh, with the with the elderberries. So the evening that's a Tuesday evening, um, and I want to say six o'clock, but I better double check myself. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, did I get that time? Yeah. And yeah, that's cool that you're doing that because those aren't easy things to do doing those, those hands-on workshops where you actually are working with the product. Uh, You know, there's a lot of logistics, a lot of logistics that go into that, you know, and, uh, and, and that's, so you're saying the elderberries that you have there, has been kind of uh, uh, on, on average every year a little bit later than your typical elderberry. Are you saying a little bit later than our typical elderberry? Mm. That's yeah. Usually, the, a lot of people in town are finding that what's near them might already be ripening, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, ours are largely still green. Interesting. Um, and we've so that the, there have been one or two years when we struggled to do the syrup making workshop because we were too early <laughs> we had we had gone with the uh, larger normal date for things and sure. there weren't as many it was like well come back next week and there'll be some more black ones but we'll work with these so far so we've we've gone ahead and pushed that a little bit later than than um we may have gone to the other extreme. <laughs> you know, and I can tell you, and I can tell you, Molly, those those elderberries, oh, it's been a number of years. I know you, you obtained them from the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum and because and, I remember going down there and helping planting, plant them. And I can tell you those more than likely came from a nursery in the St. Louis area. So they certainly mm-hmm. could have been uh, a seed source from a little more uh, southern elderberry, which would kind of help explain why those are a little bit later than your typical, right? Uh, maybe uh, still have kind of those uh, that southern gene makeup in it where they don't ripen until, which is kind of a good thing in my book, right? You can kind of... Yeah, my book too, you yeah. Know? 
You know, it's like uh, usually yeah. usually what happens to us is like, dang it, I'm a week too late or two weeks too late, right? <laughs> <laughs> By the time we think about it. Yeah. And Molly, the syrup making event coming up, uh, repeat that date for us again. That's a That's Tuesday. It's going to be a Tuesday, Tuesday, June 6th. Okay. And I don't, can I find that on your website? I'm on that now and I don't, I'm on your events you calendar. Know, I see it at 6.30 on my calendar, but I don't see that I've made my calendar public. Gotcha. I will get that event up there. Yeah, so in other words, if, if folks go to the Food Forest website, uh, they will be able to see the event at some point here. Hopefully yet today, whatever. Yeah, but, uh, today. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, That's that'll a, happen today. Very good. Yeah. But, but a Tuesday evening, folks. And Tuesday evening, yeah. Elderberry preservation methods. Um, we could talk a little bit about drying and how to handle that, um, but also syrup making and how to do it safely. And it is important to figure out how to do it safely. All of the elderberry plants, tip to toe, except for the berries themselves, has the precursors to cyanide in it, which your body can metabolize into cyanide. Mm -hmm. And cyanide is toxic because it never leaves. Mm -hmm. So you think, oh, it's fine. I've been eating a handful of elderberries every year my whole life. Well, mm -hmm. by the time you're 70, oh, boy. it's building up. Yikes. It's still there. The stuff you ate when you were seven is still in your body. What a trip. So we do it safely so that we can, because our goal is to have healthy, long, high-quality lives as long as possible. And... That means no cyanide. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so note, folks, don't eat fresh elderberries. And it's one of the few that you you, you have to say that, right, where it has to be cooked yeah, first. Really it has to, to you know, heat has to be part of the yeah. process. And then it renders that cyanide, you know, ineffective, right? I don't know how it works, but... Um, it, yeah, it, it uh, changes how the, that precursor um, is functioning in the plant and it also just separates the berry from the seed mm -hmm. so that you're really only getting the juice and gotcha. the berry itself doesn't really have it. Gotcha. I, I, yeah. You're, yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there is, is there's no seeds involved because you're straining it out. It's just a, a, a clear, beautiful, purple deliciousness, um, kind of musky. And, <laughs> and, and so, and, and, and folks, if you're, unless you're living on a rock, you're, you're hopefully well aware that elderberry syrup is not only you know tasty, but boy, it uh, it's it's nature's uh, cold and flu season remedy, right? I know parents that will give oh, it to their kids during cold and flu season, just like mm -hmm. you know a tablespoon in the morning or whatever uh, before they go to school, or maybe you'll put a tablespoon on your oatmeal for morning breakfast or or whatever turns you on. Maybe a spoon a tablespoon over your yogurt for the kids, a little granola and some fresh fruit. You are a happy camper. <laughs> absolutely absolutely we have two native plants on the prairie that are higher in anthocyanins than the wild blueberries and that's which is, the wild blueberries is considered the peak of what you can get at uh -huh. the grocery store but there are two that are native here that are much higher than the wild blueberries on these though it it's what makes them so dark purple one is the elderberry mm -hmm. and the other is the aronia berry mm -hmm. and the elderberry we work with in august the aronia berry i know there are people who are harvesting and eating them in august and i don't know how right <laughs> to me it doesn't taste good until around the same time as the persimmons start ripening so yeah. right after halloween where the persimmon it's not just that they're ripe it's that they've been hit by a frost mm -hmm. and the frost takes out the astringency and then you have this amazing little purple berry 
it's not sweet. It's never going to be sweet. Right. <laughs> but it has that, it's like a not sweet grape juice flavor mm-hmm. because Welch's grape juice used to use the aronia berry to fla- to color their grape juice no purple. Kidding. They might still. I just haven't looked at their I didn't the know that. List. Interesting. Well, that's what they were getting the purple from ah. because the only grape that does that purple is the Concord grape, uh-huh. but that's much pickier to grow. Right. But you can grow all kinds of sweet grapes for the sweetness and then the aronia berry for the purple. You put uh-huh. them together and you get a juice that tastes just like you've made it out of the, the fancy Concord grape. Darn it. So are, te- are you saying they've been doing that for like like a really long time, like decades? decades? Interesting. Decades. I didn't know that. Maybe even hundreds of years. They used to be based at, well, hundred years. They used to be based out of Missouri. Interesting. So this is what they were what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And folks, you should be growing aronia. Put it on your wild, your or just your edible landscape plant, got to have it list. And uh, I really like Viking. I, I don't know about you, Molly, but there's a, mm-hmm. there's, there's a number of selections out there, people. Some of them were selected more for their ornamental quality, but others were selected for the large fruit. And Viking, man, it's a big boy. And, and I'm with you. You know, I've, I've seen others posting pictures of harvesting aronia too. And I'm like, huh, I don't want to harvest mine in late August. I would rather, I'm with you, I'd rather, I don't know if I, you know, I think some people might harvest because they want to beat the birds and it depends on the aronia. Sometimes I've seen birds pick them clean early. Other times the darn fruit will hang on there, you know, well, like you say, well into October around Halloween time. And uh, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm with you though. They get a light freeze and, a friend of mine, a mentor, Harlan Hammernick at Bluebird, said uh, he, when, when he harvests them, he puts them in the freezer. And then to get his antioxidants every day, he just pulls out about eight fruits in the morning out, right out of the freezer and just eats them whole like that. And he said that the astringency is kind of taken care of by, by putting them in the freezer, right? Um, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I have to experiment with that some myself. Yeah. I know folks who throw them into, they'll throw a, just a handful into black bean chili. Mm. Yeah. And black beans themselves are fabulously no full of stuff. They'll sure. put them into burritos. They'll throw them into their oatmeal. No it kidding. Just, once they're within <laughs> something, I guess I'm learning to see the fruits and the, and the flowers and everything as either soloists, like this guy works all on their own or this is an orchestra member. Right. Like this one works best in a group. And Aronia right. Berry is an orchestra member. Like, put it in with something else. Don't make this guy be the soloist. You're not going to be happy with the performance that night. No doubt. That's, and, yeah. and, you know, I would say even though Aronia Berry is, uh, black chokeberry is another name for it, folks, but Aronia is probably the most common name out there now because people still confuse it with choke cherry. So Aronia is what we prefer and um, mm-hmm. easy, easy plant to grow. However, if you put it in a stressed location, maybe your soil's not so good. Maybe it's really hot and dry right there. You're not getting any water to it. I'll see them stress out and look a little rough. And then they can, they can even get uh, lace bugs on the underside of the leaves, which kind of makes the leaves look pretty nasty this time of year. Uh, the best looking aronias I've seen is where, you know, you're able to put some drip irrigation on it when we face what we're facing now is, what, six weeks of ongoing give me a break weather, um, you know, right? <laughs> Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, oh my gosh, it really is. The cracks are so deep that actually a couple of our more uphill aronia have died. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the and I'm actually part of the workday this Saturday, and that's another moment where people could come and meet us. Not only are we doing a fourth Friday tour this Friday, mm-hmm. but then Saturday morning, 8 to 10 in the morning, because it, we're still in August, we'll move to 9 to 11 as we get into September. But this Saturday, 8 to 10, a major piece of the of the workday is going to involve um, responding to the drought that's come up. We have had these incredible cracks appear in a couple of places. And I was standing there. This is going to be humorous for the gardeners who are standing there one hand with the enormous lamb cook's quarters weed that has come up and is tasty, but it still gets a little bit extra big this time of year. Mm-hmm. So I was cutting one of those down. I'm standing there with one of those in my hand, looking at this giant crack in the ground and thinking, now usually to get carbon, the ground cracks because it doesn't have water in it. And if you have a higher organic matter level in your ground, it holds onto the water. It functions as a sponge. Mm -hmm. So it reduces that shrink swell component from the Montmorillonite clays that we have here. Okay, I always had to get a running start on that word. Yeah, that was a tongue twister, no doubt, man. (laughs) You you got it out, you got it out. Get it in there. Right. But yeah, but so I'm standing there with that, looking, how am I going to get more organic matter in there? And usually I do daikon radish or tillage radish or, you know, some sort of taprooted plant to get carbon material pushed deep into the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and I, suddenly I was like, that crack's big enough. I could just put it there. And right. I just shoved the, I just posted the video just the other day too. Um, but I, I just shoved the plant down into the crack on the earth. You know, it went down two, three feet. Two to three feet? Wow. So you're talking, if I'm visualizing this, you've got this big lamb's quarter you cut to the ground to say, okay, I don't want you to go to seed all over. So now you've got this lamb's quarter that's, what, six feet tall? Maybe a, mm-hmm. a stem as thick as your... And half of it in the ground right there. Uh, so it's like <laughs> as thick as your thumb type of thing, right? And you're able to shove it in that big crack. And then if it's sticking out a little bit, you just cut it off at ground level and say, hey, man, when, that, when the rains do return, they're going to return, right? When the grains do return, that soil will will basically clamp back up, and now you've got some organic matter to say, "Hey, man, feed the critters down below, right?" Oh, uh, they're going to wake up. Everybody's. Uh, I picture everybody asleep right now. They're going to wake up and think, ah, "It's yeah. Thanksgiving. We have all this carbon material down here with us." Sweet. It's true. I clip it off right at ground level because this stuff, when it dries, can be spiky. I don't need to puncture a hole in a lawnmower wheel or something. Right. But you know, so I clip it off right at ground level, and then I just shove the next part in, Boom. and what sticks out, clip off and mm. shove it in. So I'm going along, just packing these cracks in the field, and time <laughs> will tell. I've never heard of anybody doing this no, before, no. but. And it's not something I don't think you could do if you had a hundred acres, but right. we only have two. So right, right, why right. not? <laughs> I, I, I really like that idea, and uh, there's something to be said. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. We'll have to take a break here soon. But there's something to be said for, like you said, if, if I'm dealing with soil that is like, man, it'll make you think you have a brown thumb, that I can't grow anything if you're dealing with really compacted, low-organic matter soil. How do I solve this? And i, I got to tell you a quick story before we go to break, Molly, but I was up at the mm-hmm. – it's called um, – Oh boy, the Journey Museum, Journey Museum up in uh, um, Rapid City, South Dakota, right? So I'm, I'm hanging out with this master gardener gal that that helps take care of the grounds outside of this building, and they had changed the grade to put this building in by five feet. And she said, when we try to get a tiller there, it just bounces on top of the ground, right? You can't even penetrate this stuff. And so she would make uh, what she called lasagna beds. So she would do your lasagna gardening 
in in basically the footprint of what was going to become a flower bed or a landscape bed, right? And so she was putting layers of organic matter literally two feet deep, watering it after each layer, maybe a scoop of soil between each layer too, and then building that up two feet Mm -hmm. in in the spring. And then by the time right now, late, uh, late summer, uh, it would it'd be down to six inches, right? Just because of the, yeah. the the settling action of it, and they would plant right into that mulch, mulch gardening. They they would call it. But anyway, they would put signage in there. Please excuse our mess. This bed is under construction. I thought it was such a great idea, uh, you know, and kids writing and everything. <laughs> Not that it was messy, but still. And anyway, she planted uh, things like um, sunflowers in there, the big sunflowers, you know, that get the mm-hmm. big big two inch stems. Oh gosh, what else did she have in there? Um, oh, poo the the plant with the poisonous seeds. Oh, uh, castor castor bean. You know, if you think of castor oh, bean, castor bean yeah. yeah. So she had these huge, big, bold annuals in there to kind of, you know, fill the space. So there was something in there, and then just like you said, once the plant was done and a hard freeze, she would cut it off right at ground level so, and leave that root in the ground to. Uh, to go ahead and decompose and then what that does folks once it decomposes is it creates a channel for now water to penetrate rather than run right off after a heavy rain mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely it's not a permanent solution because it's not a, a, the relationship between a living soil and a living root um, but it creates the ability for the water to get in there so that the living roots can get to it can can go down there no and doubt. that's everything. The, the roots will chase the water, and the critters who make the soil will chase the roots. No so doubt. the deeper we can get the roots to go, the better I, our soils become, the deeper. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. That is perfect. And that's definitely, you know, again, the sky's the limit as far as your creativity of what plants you would put in there to help do that. But I, I, I agree. You know, usually what I've heard with people, they have huge cracks in the ground. They'll just basically throw compost in that huge crack. And would you say there's nothing wrong with that either, right? I mean, just... Oh, nothing wrong with that. Okay. I just skipped the step of going to the compost bin. That's right. All. Yeah. Yeah, and, but and, definitely, yeah, we have compost and you might even you know if you have a chipper or something like that you could chip it and send it down you could do right, right. there's all kinds of different ways i just thought it was I, really well silly again yeah um, like if, I, if i'm thinking okay i'm cruising the garden oh whoops i missed that big tall weed uh don't want you to go to seed oh wait i've got this big crack in the ground i'm just gonna shove even if you can only get, only get it in a foot <laughs> and and then it, i can just picture this line of stem sticking out and somebody coming over and going what the heck is that what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I you know, I, somewhere there's a study in that, Molly. I don't know where, but somewhere there's a study in that. All right. Well, if there um, isn't yet. There will be soon. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to keep yeah. you on the line and uh, on this fastest hour in radio, and it's always a fast hour with you. And I'll, I'll keep you on the line. We'll take a break here, Molly, and we'll come back and we'll talk about some of your favorite late summer fall edibles that you have there going at the food forest. Such a good season. All right, Molly, keep keep it right there. We'll be right back in a jiffy. All right, folks, that is Molly Femister, with the, the coordinator with the Southern Heights Food Forest. We'll be back right after these brief messages. Keep it right there. This is KZUM Lincoln. Okay, that is Richard Schindel bringing us into the final 20 minutes of How's It Growing right here on KZUM Lincoln High. I'm Bob H. with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. 
And sorry about that. I, I don't know if I played the wrong this week in Lincoln, but man, that was last week's news, folks. That's old news. <laughs> That's not happening this week in Lincoln. Uh, I apologize for that. I must have got the wrong, uh, yeah, anyway, the wrong one. But uh, lots. I'm sure there's lots of great music happening in Lincoln. I know, uh, oh gosh, like tonight, the Hub Farmer's Market. Uh, uh, we have the Wildwoods, I know. So Mike Samrad was last week. Hopefully we can make that tonight. And uh I have Molly Femister on the show today from Southern Heights Food Forest. Molly, are you with me? I am. All I am right. Here. All right. Thank you so much, Molly, for your time today and joining me. And and again, folks, I uh, just want to remind you, Molly has a work day this Saturday from 8 until 10 a.m. I didn't peek ahead of the forecast. Uh, I know these 90s uh, are supposed to stick with us for a little while. And... Uh, you know, of course, they, they're saying, yeah, but the humidity is not going to be as bad. And I'm, I'm like, well, yeah, whatever that means, right? You know, it's like, okay, you know, sure. Uh, but bottom line, 94 degrees for a high today, Blick. And uh, hopefully Molly ordered some good weather for you. Either way, 8 in the morning till 10 a.m., that's the best part of a summer day, right, Molly? <laughs> At 8 to 10 a.m. Yeah, so. Because 8 a.m. Saturday, the forecast is 74 degrees. Boom, perfect, perfect. Uh, yes. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly when you want to be in the garden. No doubt. Well, yeah. okay, so folks, if you haven't been to the Southern Heights Food Forest, it is at the corner of 40th and Old Cheney, uh, Southern Heights Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church. And uh, just to the south of the church um, is uh, Community Crops a Garden there. And right adjacent to that is the food forest and plenty of parking for you. And, and Molly folks can go anytime, right? You don't have to get permission anytime. to go anytime. You can go check it out. And, and I can tell you a story. I don't know if I told you this before, but we were there oh, a couple years ago. I think it's been already. And, and uh, so we were getting a few elderberries fruits and uh, there was a fellow there that said hey what are you guys harvesting as he was just kind of uh, wandering around taking some pictures and turns out he grew up in Lincoln but lived in New York City now and he was uh, back home this is during COVID country so he was back home being safe you know just getting out of the city yeah. and couldn't really do any work so he came home to to visit mom and dad or whatever and and had been out of Lincoln for Oh, gosh, probably a solid decade, he said. And so he was really delighted that there was a space like this in Lincoln because when he was here, we didn't have anything like this. This is great, you know? <laughs> so yes. so it's just really cool to have and help build community. And and so, so Molly, tell me, uh, there's a number of trees and, uh, and shrubs planted there that that people can include in their own yards um, that, that provide some late summer and fall edible fruit. What are you guys, uh, well, what, what's in either ready to harvest or are you harvesting anything We're right now? Close. We have a lot of stuff getting close and a couple of things we can eat right now. The grapes right along 40th Street um, are phenomenal. These do not taste like grocery store grapes. These are the Edelweiss grapes, mm. which are native to North America. It's a variety selection cool. from the native Vitus Labresca. It's not the Vitus vinifera that everybody's growing. Really? Wild. Really? Okay, that's good to know. I didn't know that. It's a much... Hello? Hello? Did I lose you? Oh, there you are. Yeah. Am I back? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. All of a sudden, it just like broke up, and I'm like, "Well, where did she go?" No, but 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 Edelweiss, uh, a good grape for people to grow in their own home landscape, right? If they're looking to grow a grape, 
and we're starting to collect a bunch more. There's a whole series. Edelweiss is one of the Swenson grapes. Elmer Swenson worked out of, I think it was University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. one of the really northern tier states there. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a lot of work on northern grapes, focused on our native grape varieties. And now his, um, and Edelweiss is just one of hundreds of selections that he had. And the bulk of his collection was given to Seed Savers Exchange in Decorah, Iowa. Oh, really? Now, I don't know if they have it up and running in terms of they're now starting to sell these grape plants. Mm, mm. But I really wish they would because right. I toured there one year, 2014. I would happen to be there right around Labor Day weekend mm. and went up through their orchard. And then you could just walk through and check out the apples and check out the grapes. And each different grape, my gosh, they were pale pink and they were dark purple and they were long and skinny and they were skinny. It was like you were in hog heaven looking at all these grapes. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Seed Savers Exchange. Um, gosh, you know, I used to be a member. I'm not anymore. Are you a, currently a member of Seed Savers Exchange? Yeah, I'm not currently a member, but I have been in the past. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking to myself going, dude, you need to rejoin. And uh, it's been a long time. But, you know, look into it, people. It's it's well worth it. Uh, Seed Savers Exchange, as Molly said, is in, in Little Decorah, Iowa. And I've never – kudos to you for being able to go there and check it out. And I know they have a big event every year, it seems to me, Molly, too, like a two- to three-day event or something where – um, I haven't made it to that. Yeah, yeah. But I had cash on my way to permaculture events um, or on my way to Moses, which has now rebranded itself as, what's Moses? Boy, I don't know for sure. Maybe uh-huh. Organic and Sustainable Education Service. Oh, huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and they've got a new name now. But I think if you search for the Moses Conference, it was it's one of the largest gatherings of organic farmers in the country, and it always happens in February. Cool. And it is astonishing. Too cool. But that's not a good time to taste grapes. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and the reason yeah. I the reason I knew about this event, I can't remember what they call it there at, at uh, Seed Savers Exchange, is because one of my favorite artists, uh, Greg Brown, is from that area, eastern Iowa, and he was usually one of their headliners uh, as far as musicians go because mm. they get some good musicians for that three-day event, two- or three-day event, whatever it is. You can camp out and all that jazz. And, and, and I think if I remember right, Seed Savers Exchange, like you said, that orchard, um, their mission is to, like you say, preserve those grape varieties that, you know, that, that professor at University of Minnesota maybe developed them all, but maybe half of them made the trade, right? Where it's actually, and the other half may disappear if nobody's preserving them. So I imagine that and seed savers, right, right. Why lose yeah. something like that? Too cool. That's good to know. Because I yeah, seem to, I think they did the same thing with apple varieties too, if I remember right, and pears mm-hmm. and other things, trying to preserve those heirloom heirloom varieties so they don't disappear. Ooh. Yes, exactly. And they have a learning moment for the audience. When you're looking at an apple tree, the one end of the apple is the stem end. The other end, we call it the calyx, little tiny star at the bottom. Uh-huh. And if the star at the bottom is open, the apple is right, ready uh-huh. to pick. And if the star at that bottom is still closed tight, uh-huh. don't pick the apple. It's not ready. All uh-huh. it's going to do is give you an upset tummy. Okay, that's good to know. That is, uh, you learned it here, right here on How's It Growing. I like that because, yeah, otherwise, you know, I guess I'm guilty of... Uh, 
what is the phrase, don't eat little green apples in the summertime or something like that. You know, we did it as kids just because, you know, I think some of our kids, tartness, bring it on, you know. Uh, But, you know, but no, that's good to know because, yeah, if you're watching, you say you have an apple and it's loaded for bear and you want to pick that that best day to to go out there and harvest depending what you're making out of your apples uh, that's really good to know and and so mm-hmm. so the apples um so at southern heights food forest you guys have raspberries and blackberries planted as well right are you harvesting those yeah. at all the red raspberries are coming in the blackberries came in for a little bit and now they're absolutely loaded but they're just sitting there red i think they're waiting for water and i will probably just water those plants I'm trying to see like what really survives Nebraska once we get it established. Um, but in order to actually harvest those, I may go water that plant for a little bit right. and so that folks can actually eat the red, the blackberries. We also have, we do have apple trees. Um, we have three apple trees and two of them have been multi-grafted. So there's probably actually eight to 10 varieties of apple on site. Some of them are finally actually producing apples. Cool. Um, because I'm writing my notes on what's what, so I don't know what what varieties we've Oh, gotcha, on. gotcha. Um, and I owe everybody in town a giant apology for that. <laughs> <laughs> we also have peaches coming in. The mm. peaches are starting to taste good, mm-hmm. yeah, but they're still green. And I think if we wait another two weeks, we're going to be a whole lot happier. Again, our fruit causes some people, quite a lot of people, some gastric distress might make you a little more exciting in the grocery store if you're going around and yeah, have been eating peaches. You might find yourself tootling in the frozen. Yeah. Because, right? yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and and the blackberries you have, I'm assuming the blackberries you have are the thornless variety, right? They're trailing, meaning when they go over, they will try to reroot where they go. Okay. Get your blackberries from us this year. We have some sort of blight or something trying to bother the vine, bother the canes. Mm. Yeah, so this winter, we're probably going to take the blackberry to the ground and mm. let it restart. Mm-hmm. But blackberry only fruits on your canes. So there won't be any blackberries next year. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So. But we the hope is that in doing that and removing that material the plant can start over and get a get a good fresh go and it won't be sitting there nascent in the canes gotcha gotcha so in other words the way i understand it blackberries are kind of the the selections out there like the thornless ones whatnot they're kind of categorized between like a an erect uh an erect thornless or a semi-erect thornless correct it, 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 mm-hmm. i think is how they categorize them and and the, the names uh of those people uh well they're all great names apache cherokee and navajo are three good cultivars for nebraska oh i'm trying to think it seems to me there was a is it is it natchez or something like that i think uh was one i've heard of before too and I don't know how readily available um, those varieties are uh, in the trade, but I imagine they are, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. Blackberries are all over the place. Um, Stark Brothers, uh, Edible in Virginia, um, One Green World out in Oregon, uh, Oikos, shipping. Okay, Oikos, yeah. I looked for them for, looked at their blackberry selection. 
gotcha. gotcha. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great catalogs out there. A lot of great places that are growing these fruits. Yeah, we talked about that. I have this juniper at home that, oh, it's it's one of those memory plants I got from a, a, a nursery friend that has since passed um, a number of years ago, and so it's kind of my 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 plant to honor him. And it's a juniper called mint julep. And uh, anyway, <laughs> this mint julep is kind of you know, <laughs> it's kind of swallowing some space. And and I and I like this thing because in the winter time I can see the little sparrows that uh, the native sparrows that are visiting the bird feeder they'll kind of go from the bird feeder and then they all fly to that juniper because it's nice and protected from the cold so i'm like going okay that's why i have that thing and now i'm like going dude you're swallowing space where i could be growing blackberries because <laughs> because my pat really she's from kentucky my fiance pat is from kentucky and blackberries down in Kentucky are like everywhere you know it's like you know you stump you trip yeah. over them and and so I'm thinking you know we got to have some blackberries in the yard so that's why I kind of asked you about you know and and I don't know Molly if you've grown like the trailing ones versus the more uprights what would you say to somebody like me that's thinking about planting a blackberry what I should go with what does it matter um, I think the biggest issue is the size and shape of your space. The trailing ones take up more space horizontally. Okay. Because um, they're going to go up and lean over. Um, if you've only got like a section, you know, smaller footprint on the ground and you need them to be taller than this juniper, then an erect one is going to serve you better. Very good. That's kind of where I was leaning towards was... Uh you know, if I do the erect one and, and, uh, and the other challenge I have is there's a tree, um, neighbor's silver maple that's going to shade these babies. And that's one thing that's kept me from planting them is, is, you know, I've got a shady backyard and so, uh, it'll, they'll be shaded till noon, but then they're going to get that blast. You know, it's up against, a uh, a fence, a, uh, you know, a privacy fence. So, you know, when, what happens when that, that sun comes beyond noon and it's just going to go boof and really, hit those babies hard and then they're going to be shaded again t at around uh, six seven o'clock at night you know so it's like all right that it, it should be enough huh? actually yeah yeah that should be great for them um and if if pat's from kentucky she may also know a plant called wineberry mm. um wineberry is not native to the u.s it's moving through the eastern forests it, if you handed me, you said you have a choice between blackberry or raspberry or wineberry mm -hmm. or thimbleberry, because folks out west are eating thimbleberry. Mm -hmm. um, as, like, you can only eat one rubus for the rest of your life, uh, rubus being the genus that all of those belong to. Mm -hmm. I would go with wineberry. Mm. It tastes so good, and it's in the open forest, so just a little bit of sun is all it takes. Uh -huh. It just doesn't want heavy shade but it's in the open forests all through the east. Now, the fact that it's in the east makes me think it might want a little bit more uh, moisture. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have to bury an area around yeah. that carbon material in the soil. Uh-huh. Uh, but boy, wine berries are tasty. Mm. Are you saying then it's borderline, like it's, it was introduced and it's borderline in, in, uh, invasive out east in the woods or what? Or is it a native I've one? planted on purpose. I've only seen it where it has volunteered itself. I see, I see. Um, I think Nebraska would have a natural check because of the drought, because where right. I see it is usually 
near water bodies. Okay, put yeah, that. So here, I think we would have to nurture it, just like there are no wild blueberries in Nebraska, even though somebody might have a blueberry shrub in their yard. Right. But if they stop taking care of it, we're not going to have blueberries everywhere. Right. It's going to be going to be done. Yeah. Well, put that on our wish list then, right? Uh, I'm assuming it'll grow. It'll be hardy, right? Perfectly winter hardy in Nebraska, the wineberry. I would think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would think so. I'm trying to think how far north have I seen it. Let me rattle around in my head for a second. Right, right. Find that file, Molly. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> there's that There's that file. You find, oh, yeah, well, they can grow it in Michigan. Well, it's a little bit different okay. weather than us. No, but anyway, uh, that's definitely one I'm going to look into, the wineberry. I've heard of the thimbleberry, and, and uh, it was on my wish list to grow. Never, Just never got it done, but the thimbleberry, it seems to me, will grow here as well, and um, mm-hmm. And that that's just uh, kind of puts the onus on you saying, well, okay, we're going to have these things at the Southern Heights Food Forest so you folks can come and check them out, taste them for yourselves, and give you confidence to grow them in your own yard. There's <laughs> two. I need more shade. So it's just a matter of waiting for our trees to get larger. Yeah. In there. And, the, and the thimbleberry, if you're into the native plants, the thimbleberry, I believe, to be native. Mm-hmm. As to the Rockies. All right. Well, Molly... I'm picturing... Um, I've eaten wineberry in New York. Oh, very good. Well, we are basically yeah, out of time. Sure. We're out of time, Molly, right. but uh, I wanted a quick uh, quick mention to our listeners, you know, check out Southern Heights Food Forest. And uh, Molly said, uh, you know, we planted persimmons and pawpaws and and uh, choke cherries and elderberries and hazelnuts and um, chestnuts and black the walnut. walnut. coming in this year. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Pretty cool. We, we don't have any plums this year. Oh, there's pears coming in, but the pears, you have to wait. Get instructions from the website offline. Um, oh, we're getting a bad connection there. I'm not sure you're cutting out there, kid. Oh, no. Yeah, you were cutting Sorry out. I didn't, I didn't I didn't. hear that last part there. Uh, what you, what you, the last see? part was about the pears. Uh-huh. Don't pick them off the tree without reading the instructions online because they're not going to taste good right after you pick them. You have to put them in your fridge Gotcha. for a while. Gotcha. I'm with you. Get, let them turn that nice yellow color and oh, let that juice run down the sides of your face. <laughs> <laughs> let them do what they got to do. <laughs> Well, Molly, it's always the fastest hour in radio when you come on. I really appreciate your time and uh, keep up the great work there at Southern Heights Food Forest. And folks, uh, join Molly. And then this Friday, you have your uh, last Friday of the month. Uh, What what does that take place one time? The fourth Friday of the month, we're going to do 7 to 8 p.m. this month. We're going to tour this site. We can talk uh, what's going on with agroforestry on site. We've got some drought mitigation stuff happening just because we're in a drought. Um, so I've got a little mini Berman swale things that are in the middle of being dug. Um, we can just talk about what's ripe um, and what's native and ripe. Nice. Um, on site, what's coming through the winter. Okay. Sounds like a good way to spend a last Friday. And then again, you can join Molly and help her out on Saturday morning from 8 till 10 a.m. Again, that's at Southern Heights Food Forest. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Good work, Molly. Thank you so much. We'll We'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, Bob. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right. And uh, do your rain dance, would you, Molly? Uh, uh, you know, there's there's some chances for rain, I think, later this week. We'll see what happens with that. Until then, you have a great week, people. I will see you right here, same time, same place. Another rendition of How's It Growing. Adios. <laughs>